friend, it's Kathleen Estes. Welcome to the Texas Football Mom Podcast, a show where we'll chat with some amazing guests about faith, family, and of course, football. I am so excited today to introduce you to my special guest. He was able to play football at every level, transitioned out of that into getting his doctorate in psychology, as well as a lot of other titles. He's a dad, he's a husband, um, he's a professor. Welcome today to our show, Dr. Octavius Bishop. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. It is such an honor that you would take time to talk to us today. Tell me a little bit about your journey in football. Oh, okay. So my my journey in football began kind of late. I didn't play truly play football until the ninth grade of high school. Um, And I would say not really understand the game of football until the 10th grade of high school. Uh, I was born in Jackson, Tennessee, raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, We moved. I grew up in a single-parent home. My mom moved to Houston, uh, and I happened to – go to a high school called Westville High School, and the head coach was Emory Ballard. Emory Ballard invented Wishbone at the University of Texas when they won two national championships back-to-back in 1969 and 1970. He would go on to be a head coach at Texas A&M and Mississippi State. But on the back end of his his career, things happened to work out, and I happened to end up in the hands of the legendary Emory Ballard. That's incredible. So in your um, high school journey of playing football, when did you find the position that was your position that you stayed with? That is, that's a great question. I, I was so um, in awe that someone was finally taking the time, particularly other men, to be a part of my life because I didn't go grow. I grew up in a single parent home with just my mother and mm-hmm. I, no siblings, uh, and didn't have really a, a father figure in the home. But I had these coaches uh, who were, was taking the time for me. So it didn't matter what position they were putting me at. I didn't really even understand wow. uh, what was actually taking place. Um, my coach, when I first met Coach Ballard, the funny thing is he he asked me that I want to come out the next day for football, and. I told him that I didn't think my mom would let me play. Oh, that's funny. He asked me what my phone number was, and I had to let him know that we didn't have a home phone. (laughs) We had a a pay phone. And for those of you who Mm. know, some of these young kids don't know, that there was a phone number attached to the pay phone. (laughs) And so there's a story in the background of this that I never, I still don't know to this day. Coach Ballard has passed. Mm. Um, There was a conversation between he and my mother uh, that, that was very special. And it was from that conversation that my football career began. That's awesome. Now, at what point did you start getting offers to play at the next level? It, it, things happened really quickly for me. Um, I bought into the system. Um, I was diagnosed with dyslexia and a lot of reasoning and learning disabilities. It wasn't until the ninth grade. Uh, I had been into I had been in uh, resource classes and special ed classes all the way to high school, and so finally I had some a coach and and really staff and teachers at at Westville High School who I owe a lot to who began to become my advocate. Mm-hmm. And so I would get up early in the morning, jump in the back of the truck of, of Coach Gunther, who was one of the other offensive line coaches. Uh, I just did his funeral this past, uh, this past year, which mm-hmm. was uh, what an honor. But he would pick me up every day and take me in for tutoring. So the first two years of high school, I would get caught up uh, to the, 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 the base level so that I would get out of those classes. Uh, and then once, I, once that happened, about the end of my sophomore year, I started receiving letters from everybody around the country. That's incredible. And I love that 
um, you had an emphasis on getting your education where it needed to be mm -hmm. while you were learning the game of football that clearly you were gifted mm -hmm. and physically right for that game. Yeah, yeah and I, I didn't know how gifted I was for it at all. It was kind of, a, you know, I think that was the beauty of it. And I, I believe um, the lack of exposure I had was actually a blessing for me. I really didn't know uh, how good I was and never really realized it um, was in all of the letters I was getting. Uh, it's a little different these days with how much social media and what the kids get. Right. I, I just had letters at my locker and I couldn't understand why <laughs> I had so many letters at my locker. Um, I just knew I had to go to practice and it was going to be really hard. <laughs> so how did you choose mm -hmm. UT? Well, that's another really good question. I, the, I I grew up in the Midwest. I was raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I had some some friends and family in the Chicago area. At time, time from time to time, we go to Chicago. I grew up a Notre Dame fan. Oh wow! I grew up a Notre Dame fan, and I was going to go to Notre Dame uh, or the University of Tennessee, where a lot of my family is in, in Tennessee. Um, the University of Texas was really the only school in the state of Texas uh, that I really was somewhat interested in. I didn't know much about the University of Texas, but I would later find out what my head coach did at the University of Texas. He was also a coach at Texas A&M, uh, but I chose, really chose the, uh, <laughs> the University of Texas because of how well they treated my mother. Uh -huh. uh, this was, the, this was the, the, the recruiting trip that my mother would, would go on. And my mother was open to me going anywhere. I really was thinking about the University of Washington. I, I love mm -hmm. Seattle. I was thinking about a lot of these you know, other places, even Ohio State or Michigan. I was thinking about all these places. But I saw the look on her face, and I knew that they would take care of my mom. Um, and, I, and I got an understanding uh, of what the city of Austin meant to the state of Texas once I got here. So it, it, it was magical. The, the coaches were, you know, they were there. Uh, for me, I, I knew that there was a plan uh, for me to be successful at the University of Texas, both in athletics and academically. But they were going to take care of my mother, and they did that for four years. Of course, that blesses my mom's heart to hear <laughs> that that was a big part of how oh, you yeah. decided where to oh, go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And I then, obviously, <laughs> she was able to come and support you yes. through your college years. That's so right. tell us what happened after. Yeah, after college? Yes. Uh, so I had a really good college career, was able to, to, to play um, and, and be the left tackle for Ricky Williams. So I blocked for Ricky Williams for four years and a uh, three-year starter. I had a wonderful run. It was magical. Uh, he rushed for over 2,000 yards wow. one year. The year before, 1,900 yards. So we, we, we balled. <laughs> we, we, had yeah. a, we had a really, really good time. Uh, had some success, would be going to be all-conference, and then I would be picked up uh, by the Atlanta Falcons as a free agent. Uh, after the Atlanta Falcons, I would uh, be cut and then let go, but then I would be drafted into NFL Europe. I would go off to okay. NFL Europe, play in Amsterdam, Holland mm. uh, for the Admirals, um, and I would spend a year there um, traveling through Europe, playing in Barcelona, playing in uh, you know Spain and Germany, mm -hmm. uh, Scotland. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Uh, after that experience, I would uh, have a very good season there, uh, come back to the States, and I was uh, offered a contract by the, the Oakland Raiders. Uh, play for the Oakland Raiders in uh, 2000. Uh, I was released by the Oakland Raiders, went off to play in the XFL, and um, had, a, had a good a good run there, uh, but one night in, in the L.A. Coliseum, I had a career-ending injury. Mm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So. so I'm hearing a lot of moving. Mm -hmm. Were you married 
in this season <laughs> that you were traveling so much and moving around? N- no, I, I wasn't. And my and, and marriage uh, was not my focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, even deep relationships w- w- was not my my focus. My, my I, I had a goal uh, to to have a really good football career, uh, and I, I put everything into it. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to give what I needed to give uh, because I saw I saw the ramifications of mm-hmm. of, of a football career on on a family uh, when yeah. you when you think you're bought in but you're not by some of the my other teammates. So I I chose to. Um, this is myself from it. I would date, but I wasn't. I, I, I for sure wasn't wasn't committed. I was committed to the game of football. Okay, that's what you. Were so married yeah, that, that's what I was okay, married to. I gotcha. <laughs> so you're married to the game of football, yeah. and now you suffer this injury. Yes, it was. It was a. Um, it, it was. It was difficult as an offensive lineman. You, I mean, they're you know broken bones, missing teeth. These are all type of injuries I've already had. Whew. I've dislocated elbows. I've you know I've broken my left ankle twice, my right ankle once. Mm. I've had at this time probably three or four knee surgeries to fix cartilage and stuff that's flipped up in my knee, but this injury was was really significant. And um, even though I've broken bones before, I, I had a compound fracture in my lower leg, a tip fib fracture, mm. uh, this night, and it was very uh, it, it was a it was a difficult injury. Uh, I would that night I would um, be injured. I would the next day we would fly back to Chicago to to get it fixed. Uh, the injury, the, the surgery would go well. A week later, um, I would be back into the hospital with two blood clots oh. uh, in my lungs. So I almost died from this injury. Mm. <laughs> it was a very um, a difficult time, and I knew uh, the extent of the injury that uh, my that my career was pro- possibly taking a different turn. Being a mom of uh, a high school student right now mm-hmm. I've ex- I've just noticed injuries mm-hmm. you know my boys used to play soccer there wasn't quite the level of injuries that there is now in football what advice would you give to a mom that's trying to help a teenager navigate mm-hmm. injury mm-hmm. that puts them out for a couple of games for a mm-hmm. season or mm-hmm. now that's not a part of their lives anymore it, it, the, the first thing we have to recognize is that when athletes get injured um, they do lose a part of their identity Mm. They they are a part of the team. They are a part of the plan. But because of the nature of athletics, where coaches are responsible for everyone on the team, um, athletes get left behind. They do. Uh, and when they're injured, um, there is an isolation that takes place. And we, as a as a mental health professional, I know uh, isolation is not a good thing for us. We were never never built to be independent. Uh, we were. I'm also a, a pastor, so for me, uh, I understand that I was created also to be in, interdependent, mm-hmm. uh, meaning that there, are, there, are other people are a part of who we are, and uh, we invest so much in our teammates and so much into the to the game. But then all of a sudden, when the injury happens, you do feel isolated. Uh, so it's it's important for parents to, even though you may get flack back from an injured. A player and sometimes the attitude may be be different. It's to show a little grace, show a little grace, uh, but but also know that they're they are healing, and not just the injury needs to heal, but their heart, their mind, and their spirit need to heal because their spirit's been broken when when an when athlete's injured. Absolutely. Now I know coaches often expect even when you are injured, you're mm-hmm. still showing up mm-hmm. for practice, or you know you're still a part of that team. So that's obviously important to for that social aspect of the healing process it it, it really is and it and it's also something that's even deeper 
the fact that you have to show up, even though you are injured and you may not be part of the game plan, uh, is really building something in the, in the hearts and the minds and the spirits of the athlete later on in life when football's over. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, to, to this day, missing work is like at top one, two things that I just have a hard time doing right. because of the athletic piece of it. Athletes are, are taught and, and are, are mentally built in a way to keep pushing through. This is a great quality uh, that parents need to be aware of that, that they're building in their children. Uh, athletes in, in sports, it, it, whether they're good or not at it, is really holding them accountable with, to other people and to an organization or to a team. Uh, so this is something that plays out when they become husbands and fathers and, mm-hmm. and uh, when, when they work for an organization. Athletes are wonderful people to hire because you're going to get somebody who's built tough, who understands what constructive criticism is, how to take mm-hmm. that criticism uh, and, and, and not, you know, and, and just build upon it. They bring something to the team because of that. So uh, being a part of it, the expectation is always there. You have to go to treatment. Uh, you have to help your son or your daughter get to treatment. That has to be on the, on the forefront. Get yourself healthy, even when they don't want to, uh, even when they feel sad about it, when they don't feel a part of the game plan. That's, the, that's when we need to dig in as a family even right. more. And what does that look like practically to mm-hmm. dig in as a family? Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's to be, first of all, educate yourself about the injury. Mm-hmm. Educate yourself about the injury because the truth of the matter, even though you have experts like doctors and trainers who are working on your child, you are the expert of your child. You mm-hmm. know your child. You know what sadness looks and depression looks like on your child. Right. So you know what anxiety looks like for, for your child. So who better to be an advocate for your child than, than, than a parent uh, and a mom and particularly mothers are, are, are really a lot of times the true advocate mm-hmm. uh, for, for their child in this situation the nurturing piece of it uh, your mothers are and parents need to nurture their, their, their children uh, in these in these times um, and nurturing is is what it really what it looks like. What is that child's interest? Making sure those interests stay at the forefront. Uh, does this child have a goal to get back? And and, and is it feasible? Mm-hmm. And, and so writing down goals, uh, making sure that they that they stick to the checklist that they have, making sure that they are hone in even more on their grades. Um, right. This is a big time when a, an athlete is injured. You know what? You're not going to be on the field. You know, you, you need to focus on what you're doing in the classroom even more. Not only that, how are you coaching up your teammates? How right. you, it's, an, it's, it's imperative that parents make sure that, that their children, are, are even though they're injured, are making sure that they engage with their teammates. Ask them about how the, how the team's doing. What do you see? Are there, we have a chance to win even though you're not in the game? You need, they need to be engaged. Uh, they also need to meet, meet with their coaches. It's up to parents to make sure that the child meets with the coaches. Make sure that you, they go in and let them know what's going on. Parents, meet with the coaches. Make them do their jobs. Meet with the teachers. Make them do their jobs. Uh, you, you know, standing back is not necessarily a part of advocacy, but you got to be – it takes action uh, to be a true advocate. That's awesome. And I find myself trying to figure out what that relationship is supposed to look like mm-hmm. with the coaches um, as parents, because they're definitely trying to um, have the boys become independent and become men and be able to communicate for themselves. And so I find it tricky sometimes knowing how much to engage yeah. directly with the coaches and how much to just let the boys mm-hmm. manage that themselves. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I, I look at it this way. Um, 
I think it's important to trust other people with your children. Does that mean they're going to get the the best or what you would do? Not necessarily, mm-hmm. but they do get another picture, right? Whether good or bad. Yeah. If it's a good coach, thankful. What a blessing. If it's a bad coach, what a lesson we have to learn here and how and how we engage. So the child wins no matter what. Even though there, it may the growing pains could be tough, the mm-hmm. child wins by you allowing your child to be coached. And, and to become coachable. What would you say are signs if your child has suffered an injury mm-hmm. and you see depression setting in? At what point would you say you probably need to reach out for mm-hmm. additional help? What yeah. would those signs kind of be? Well, like I said before, parents are the expert of the children. And that's how that's where it should go. Um, you have to engage with your child. You have to engage with, with he or her. You have to ask the, the tough questions. And you more than likely you're going to get back, um, I, I don't know, I'm fine. Right. That, 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 mm-hmm. that we, we, know, we know we're going to get back. But we have to recognize this. The human brain is not fully developed after the age 25 or 26, mm. which means it's at this time within their teen years that the brain is in a rapid, critical, and crucial periods of development, which means most times that brain does not really understand if they're okay or they're not. So it's up to us as the, as the adults and the parents to make sure we're paying attention to signs. Are they isolating themselves? Uh, what are, what are they, what uh, are they, are they engaging in things that they like to do? Um, um, and a lot of times, most times when athletes are injured, they're not engaging in the things they like to do. So it's important to, to, to hone them in, bring them, and let them know and be, look them in the eye, sit them down, and say, hey, I've seen it, I've seen it change in you. Uh, I, care, I care about you. We love you. Will you talk to us about it? You know, we're all in this together. You have to continue to engage. Even if you don't get anything back, they need to know that you're there. And, and if they know that you're there, they know that, they can, that, that you're a resource for them in their sad times. That's good. Now, you were experiencing your shift in identity as yes. uh, a pro athlete mm-hmm. with this injury. How was that for your mom, who was the mother of this professional athlete? What was her journey like through that? Oh, that's a that's a really good one that I haven't had a lot of chance to, to, to talk about. So I grew up in a single parent home, and my mother and I we we worked hard to to, to make a living. I come from very humble beginnings. My mom would always have two and three jobs, mm. and one of our jobs was to work at we worked at McDonald's together. Uh, at at the end of the day, we worked together, and I love it. It, 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 it was awesome. Uh, it, was, it was it was a it was a a, a neat time um, of, of 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 connecting. Uh, frustration with me as a team with my mom and her frustrated with me but we would always win employees of the month because she was going to make sure it was it was good that's that's who she are she's tough but as time went on and and she began to realize that I was that a blessing was coming regarding me being able to receive a, a full scholarship to play mm-hmm. uh, play football um, life began to change and it, it was a blessing and an honor for me to be able to take my mom along on that journey yeah. Uh, and and she she traveled the country, you know, with me uh, in different places. I mean, to Hawaii, to Arizona, the Fiesta Bowl, oh, to man. the Sugar Bowl, and and you know, and uh, and, and New, New Orleans. So she 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 enjoyed it. Yeah. And professionally, when it was over, uh, when I had my injury, the the, the interesting thing is, uh, you know, you have friends, but I was in, tucked away in Chicago. Uh, the person who was there next to me during that time, in my my lowest time, was my mom. Mm-hmm. And it was during those times uh, that that 
I began, she began to realize, and we began to realize that this that this journey is going to change, yeah. and, it, and 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 it was ending. But I definitely saw, uh, I could see uh, the that that she dealt with the change also. Mm-hmm. You know, every week having this family uh, of of athletes and and whether right. it's high, from high school to college for years, she had this she had this uh, other uh, alternative family, uh, coming together for a game. And then all of a sudden that was that was taken away and that was swept away and it was over. So every parent, just as every athlete's career is going to end, the parent's career for the athlete is going to end. Oh. So you have to prepare for that. Uh, what does that look like? Because there is grieving that takes place on, sure. on all sides. It's lost. It's lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Octavius, you went from pro athlete. Tell us a little bit about after that injury, how long was the process before you decided what your next was going to be? Yeah, well, that's a, another really good, really good question. I, it, it, it took me, um, I was, I was depressed. I was, I, I, uh, it takes a lot to, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of selfish, being selfish <laughs> to, to get to a certain level. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, there's a lot of the things that morph into narcissism uh, related to uh, striving to be great at something. And if you're going to obtain any bit of greatness, all of your focus, it almost becomes an obsession. And so I, I, I was there at that point. I was at the, at the early stage of my career, but I was at a point where I was playing really well and things were, gonna, things were changing uh, to move into that next big contract right. opportunity. But that didn't happen. So um, once it was over, it took me probably from about 2002 until about 2005, about, mm-hmm. two, about three, it took me three to four years to truly um, – to truly get myself together, for it to really go away. It's almost like it was a, it, people say it takes, not people, research says it takes people about five years after divorce to really grieve that mm. process. Yeah. It's, it was about the same. Wow. It was about the same. And um, so I had to come back, uh, get an understanding of my, my faith base. Um, you know, what what is this, what is my purpose and what does this mean? Um, what am I good at? Mm-hmm. Uh, what have I invested in? What are my relationships? All of these things had to had to be uh, re had to had to resurface. I had been in a bubble. Uh, athletics causes you to be in a bubble, and 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 they you're forced to be in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want people don't want they don't want to give access to organizations. They don't want to give access to others. Uh, in that, it hurts the athlete. A lot of times, because where relationships and, and networking is happening, it's not necessarily happening for you. So it takes longer uh, to do that. So. Uh, it took me about four or five years to truly do some work, to get some counseling, uh, to dig deeper, to even find out why I played football. There were a lot of hurts related mm. to abuse, a lot of a lot of pains and things that I covered up with athletics. Uh, and then I went on, on a spiritual journey and uh, uh, began to go. I, be, I, I, went, I just went back to work. I didn't know what else to do. Right. I went back to work. I went and, and worked in the deli department at, at Central Market. And I and I just you know I learned so much. I just knew I had to do something. Yeah. It was interesting at this time. I had got this big settlement. I had money, but I I, I was like I got to do something. I don't know what I want to do. And it was during that time of working in that deli department late at night, many times, learning about different cheese and how to make mozzarella. <laughs> I mean, all these different things, right? That that I you know began to find out. Like I love cooking. I love all this stuff, and I, I you know all these things would, would, would surface, and I um, would run into my writing tutor 
at Central Market, right there on South Lamar. And he came in to get some meat. He said, Octavius, how you doing? And I said, you know, Hank, his name's Hank. I said, Hank, I'm really thinking about going back to graduate school. Mm. He said, you know what? Come and see me. I took the next step, went back to University of Texas, ended up back in graduate school, and then my academic career advanced. Awesome. Mm. And just so our listeners know, tell Mm. tell us a little bit about what all that yeah, now I'm means. sorry. Yes. Yeah, so 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 I would uh, uh, finish and, and obtain my uh, um, bachelor's in social work, um, go on, move right into a program, um, and finish my my bachelor's in uh, a master's in social work. Okay. Uh, I would continue on um, after getting degrees in social work, which is based advocacy based, understanding how to advocate for people. I really knew I needed more science. I needed something deeper. I wanted to dig deeper. So I decided to, to obtain a PhD, and I was a, got accepted into a PhD program, uh, a school that's out of, a lot of it's online, but it's out of Minnesota, and I ended up um, finishing and, and certifying my PhD in um, psychology, uh, which is really interesting for a boy who was on a third grade reading level going into high school. <laughs> it was interesting. So, so yeah, so that's that, that's where I am now, and you know, my 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 sole purpose really. Uh, in my calling in ministry is to uh, really educate and be able to communicate in some way uh, the challenges of merging both science and God. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And man, your story is so full of hope because it's like you enjoyed the beauty of the life as mm-hmm. um, an athlete, but recognizing that there's more to life than mm-hmm. just sports and yet I still feel like that plays into what you do today and the influence that you have it, it, it does nothing's been wasted uh, every every bit of what I do what I've done in athletics um, it, it comes to play now um, the the challenge I have <laughs> interesting in our in our society and in the media and what, what we what people know about athletics is uh, I say this often. I've been kind of seeing what it would look like to write an article on this because people both revere and resent mm. professional and collegiate athletes. Interesting. And so, as a minister, I'm always very cognizant of that when I communicate with people mm-hmm. um, that there's more to me, and you know what? There's more to athletes. And the, the Andrew Luck situation has has this is a great mm-hmm. uh, you know conversation piece on the Andrew Luck Luck piece. Uh, there's this, how could you dare, you know, not do something that millions of other people wish they could do right. when only less than one, than one, than one percent of people could ever do it. Right. You have a better chance of becoming a brain surgeon than you do ever stepping onto a professional football team. Wow. And, and so, Crazy. yeah. So, so, so when we think of what Andrew Luck is going through, uh, I can sympathize with him mm-hmm. um, that he's more than. A football. He's always been more than a football. He comes from right. a, a wonderful family. Uh, his dad's an athletic director. I mean, he comes from a huge, huge lineage of more than football. Uh, and I had to realize that I, there's more to me than football. That God had a calling on my life. Um, that this, these, my steps were ordered. Yes. Um, th- even though it seemed like I was floundering, I was never floundering. Every hurt, every pain, every success, every every, every joy, mm-hmm. every disappointment was a part of the journey. Um, to really uh, culminate and to cultivate into what God is is placing in my life today. 
That's awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time Thank today yes. to share your story and your journey. And I hope for those listening that they've been encouraged by it today and feel a little more equipped to help so. <laughs> their sons as they're on this journey as well. And thank you all for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Texas Football Mom podcast and keep up on all the latest on Instagram. I'm Kathleen Estes reminding you to always celebrate the first downs.